Lord, we just thank you for your grace. It is wonderful. It is glorious. Lord, we don't have words big enough to describe what you have done for us. To set us free. To give us eternal life. So Lord, this morning we just want to say thank you. Because sometimes that's the only word we have. So Lord, thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before you sit down, welcome to church. Have a quick look round. Say hello to everybody who's there, people you know, particularly people you don't know. Because if you're visiting this morning, we want you to feel like you are welcome. Thank you. Uh, If you're online this morning, a big thank you to you. Oh, big thank you. Thank you for being online, but a big welcome is what I meant to say. Great to have you joining us. If you're part of the Yarram um, group down there, it's great to have you here on your off week as well. Oh, look, everybody sat down already. Crikey. Gee, very good. Okie doke. So you can um, fill in your Connect cards or Next Steps cards, which are on the church app or on the online platform. Uh, If you haven't got the Church Centre app yet, if you've got a smartphone, it's a good idea to get the Church Centre app because it's a great way of staying in touch with things. All the information's on there. You can contact people on there. So I would encourage you to do that if you can. Now, our Easter services on Good Friday... The service is at 9am, okay, on Good Friday. It's not a long service, um, so I'd encourage you to come along to Good Friday service, so 9am. Immediately after that, in town, in Sale, is the Walk of the Cross, which starts at the um, Catholic Church, which is a really good public witness uh, for us as Christians at Easter time. Um, particularly with all the cars and things coming through town, for people to stop and reflect, actually, why are we having this holiday? What's Easter all about? Again, so I'd encourage you to get along to that if you can. Easter Sunday, our service is at 10am, as normal. Um, There will probably be an Easter egg hunt, if you're little. Um, So that'll be good. And we'll be taking donations over the Easter period, and those donations will go to the Baptist Union uh, Ukrainian Appeal for helping out for aid for Ukraine. So come prepared on Friday and Sunday with extra donations to donate to people who really, really need it. Also, if you are a Yarram person, yes, I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at you if you're in the room, but particularly the guys online... From Yarram, uh, Alpha will be starting in Yarram. So if you want to know about that, um, get in contact with Sophie and Gregor or just in touch with the church here or on the website and you'll be able to sign up for Alpha. Out for lunch is this week as well, Pastor Jackie reliably tells me. So if you're an out for lunch person, you can look forward to that because that's coming up this Wednesday. And then I've got kids stuff written down. So creche is on this morning. Uh, SBC Kids and Youth aren't running at the moment. They have a little bit of a break for the leaders over the holidays. If you've got kids, we do have activity packs up the back there, which they are welcome to grab one. Please write their name on it. I've got a big name written on the bottom there. Write their name on it so they're able to use it each week. 
um, and hang on to that. They can take it home, bring it back, or if they leave it here, I'll keep them in a stack and they'll be here for them next week. For older kids, there's even sermon notes. So if you think, oh, I don't, I'm too old for colouring in, then you can have a go at the sermon notes where you've got to pay attention to what Brad's going to be talking about. Right. Now, uh, if you have any offerings, normally most of our giving, most of our life these days seems to be online and contactless. Um, I don't carry any cash anymore, I don't know about other people. Uh, So we have our online offering and the details are in the newsletter or on the website. But if you do happen to bring cash offerings, we always have our little box up the back there that's available for you to use, so please do that. Um, I was just reflecting this morning because in the traditional church calendar, this Sunday is Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem and everyone was um, excited about him because he was the Messiah, he was the, the one that was going to change their world for them. He was going to do what they wanted him to do, which was to overthrow the Roman government and to re-establish Israel and this was it. Um, and he didn't do that, which disappointed quite a few people. But I thought about that and I thought their attitude with welcome him, welcoming him into the city was one of, um, thank goodness you're here Jesus, now this is what we need you to do. We need you to overthrow the Roman government. We need you to re-establish Israel. This is what we want you to do. And we can look back now and we have the privilege of looking back and seeing what Jesus has done for us and that his plan wasn't to overthrow a government, it was to overthrow the world. And we need to approach Jesus not with a, this is what we need you to do because he's already done what he needs to do. We need to approach him with that attitude of, Jesus, what do you need us to do for you? So just to ask you to reflect on that, reflect on that this week, in the area, of all parts of your lives, uh, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's church, whether it's family, relationships, finances, all those areas, ask God, what do you want me to do? because he's done his bit. Uh, It's now up to us. And he will tell you what he wants you to do in any of those areas and all of those areas, if you ask and if you listen. And I know at times it can be tough to ask that question of what do you want me to do? Because we feel like the world is crashing in around us sometimes. Um, I don't know where you're at this week. Uh, Only you know that. But like I said, Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, didn't come to overthrow a government. He came to overthrow the world, even including death. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So this morning, just as we, as I finish in prayer, just let God find you where you are. Ask him that question. What can I do for you? Uh, And let him just minister it to you where you are. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much 
for what you have done as we look at Easter uh, approaching and it's on our minds and it's all around us. Help us remember what you have done already. Lord, help us shift our mind from what we want you to do and help us to ask the question, what can we do for you? What can we do in your name? What can we do to extend your love? What can we do to extend that glorious and wonderful grace that you've given to everybody? And then, Lord, help us to listen and help us to act. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that you walk with us every step. God, you have always been faithful. You always will be faithful, and today you are faithful. God, we trust you with every part of our life. God, with the seen and the unseen, with the known and the unknown. God, you know the depths of our heart more than we do. And God, you love us and you're for us. You have a good plan, you have a good purpose. And God, I pray this morning that we might know that. We might know your grace and your love like never before. And God, coming into this Easter season, God, we pray that your love and your grace might resound in the community, might resound in our hearts, in our families. God, that the name of Jesus might be the name that people are thinking of, people are calling out to this Easter. And God, would you use us? Would you use this church? God, we thank you. We pray that you would um, just fill us again with your spirit, with your peace, with your knowledge of your grace. God, we love you and we thank you. We honor you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, please grab a seat. Good morning. Let me add to Pastor Steve's welcome. It's great to have you. Great to have you online, wherever you are this morning, whether you're in Sale, whether you're in Yarram or wherever else. I haven't looked at the stats last, lately, but we had a, a while where we had some people from Ohio, I think it was, tuning in every week. So, Ohio. Lame. I know that I had to do it. You've missed me, haven't you? I could tell by that fake laugh. It's great to be here. It's great to have the kids in the room. Give us a shout, kids, if you're listening, at the back there. They've just quietened down and their parents are like, don't raise them up, Brad. They're not even listening. It's good. Or maybe not good. (laughs) Good, good. Hey, we're going to be jumping into Psalm 22 in a minute. Um, So if you've got your Bibles... Uh, and you want to follow along, if you've got your phone and you want to read along with your, with your own device, then um, by all means, get that ready to go. Um, like Steve said, we've got Easter coming up, we've got Good Friday, we've got Easter Sunday, we've got um, some cool things happening, um, and I encourage you not only to be here, but to invite someone along, or let someone know about uh, the Easter services, because if they're in town and they're around, then there's a, they might um, be interested in either coming in person or at least uh, coming online. You know, um, I don't know about you, but I've found it so easy to invite people to church online, um, just letting them know that we have it, that they can check it out whenever they want, um, especially unchurched friends, and, and I'll, I'll get feedback the next week, oh, I saw you on 
on the stream on the weekend or I, I um, heard you preaching or, um, or what shirt were you wearing or, you know, they make whatever comment they feel is necessary. But it's amazing how easy it is for people to um, load up on their phone or their computer, watch online anonymously without fear of stepping into an unknown building. And so I really encourage you, whether you think church online is a thing or not, um, it's, a, it's a great uh, first step into church life, a great first step into hearing the gospel. And so it's a resource and a tool that I think we can really use to, um, to help spread the, the good news and help spread the gospel. So please do that. Even text someone now, share someone the link. Like, I don't, I don't mind. Um, it's a great thing to do. Um, also, um, you may have noticed that I was playing piano this morning. It's because I love playing piano. Curly's worship leading while pregnant, not feeling great. There's just a, a general sense across the church that we're a little light on with, with team members in teams. And um, you might think, oh, I can't play piano, Brad. I can't sing. Sorry, can't help you there. Um, but you might be able to help somewhere else. And then some of our other people that were normally on stage can be freed up from a, another responsibility uh, to serve here more regularly. Uh, so if you can help with creche or kids or welcome or cleaning or anything, it just frees more people up to do more things. So whatever you can do, um, maybe since um, coming back into the building, you haven't really jumped back on a team or, or got back involved yet, can I encourage you to, to begin praying and thinking about that? Um, because the more people we have involved, the, the easier it is for everyone um, and the more we can do and the more lives we can reach. So it's a good thing for us to do. Think about our involvement and how we can just serve and lighten the load for everybody. Really cool. All right, you got Psalm 22? All right, I'll give you another few minutes. You're just going to read it off the screen, aren't you? Is anybody listening this morning? Give us a good... Come on. Yep. Thanks, Lachlan. No, I can rely on you. Psalm 22, I'm going to read it. Um, it's a long one, so bear with me, and then we're going to step through it uh, and see what we can do. And as soon as I start reading, you'll think, oh, I know, I've heard that before. It says this in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance, from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you, but you do not answer. By night, I have uh, no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praise of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him, since he takes pleasure in him. It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Don't be far from me, because distress is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me, lions mauling and roaring. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, a gang of evildoers have closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength come quickly to me. 
Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of those dogs. Save me from my lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. Do not, he did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. The kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Even the one who cannot preserve his life, the descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, we thank you that it is able to change our hearts, breathe life into us. And God, we pray that it might do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, yesterday, as I was preparing and and doing some last-minute preparations of my message, I had this idea to do an illustration. I knew the kids would be in the service, so I was had this experiment lined up where I have a table and do this cool thing and I, and I practiced it yesterday afternoon on I think four or five different people and failed every time, every single time. And so I'm going to show you a video instead of someone doing it successfully uh, to illustrate my point and it's probably much more entertaining than me fumble around on stage. So thanks Beck. Let's see if this works. Words alone carry a lot of weight. But when the power of words is combined with the power of authority, you can get people to believe just about anything. Dr. Willman. I have an honorary degree in pseudopistemology from the University of Phoenix. I placed an ad online inviting participants to take part in an experiment. We try a little experiment? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to make these people believe that this fake rubber prop is actually their real arm. Seems unlikely. This is a Fibonacci silk, but let me show you how it works. If I drape it, like this, the gap is now gone between your shoulder and the rubber arm, and your brain kind of fills in the gap. It's called the Seinfeldian effect. Simultaneously, because you cannot see your real left arm, your brain disassociates that. That's called the Costanza effect. Wiggle the fingers on your right hand. Great. And now wiggle the fingers on your left hand. I'm going to attempt to establish a connection right now using these. I'm just going to rub the feather along the fake arm and your real arm that you cannot see, your brain starts to connect the fake arm sensations and make them real. Now, let's see how strong this connection is. Do you feel this? Yes. 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 And that? Yes. And this. That's cool. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it's very... Because your hand is... Yeah. That's weird. The brain connects them. That's interesting. Let's just test how far that connection goes. Okay. The cold test. Now, on your right hand, do you feel that? I do. Cold. Yes. That's why I call it the cold test. Genius. When I place it over here, how does that feel? Cold. Now, what do you feel? 
nothing. You don't feel an ice cube resting on top of your hand? No. Let's try another experiment. I call this one the heat test. Be very gentle. I promise not to burn you. Okay. Just curious if you feel that. What'd you feel? A little bit of heat. Tell me how this feels. Ah! <laughs> now, do you feel that? No. This? No. That? No. Ah, hot. <laughs> the pain test. For the pain test, I'm going to use this pointy needle. I'm curious. Do you feel that? Yeah. Isn't that why? <laughs> yeah. What does this feel like? Uh, that, yeah, I can feel it. Is it okay if I prick your real hand? Yeah. No blood, like acupuncture. Do you feel that? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. Do you feel that? No. How about that? No. Anything now? No. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Let's try something else. The hammer test. Oh! Oh! <laughs> You're good. Oh. Don't worry. Wow. Look at your fingers. Your hand's okay, right? <laughs> Don't try that at home. I tried it at home and I was, had, had my kids and um, Jeremy and Ethan over as well and they started doing it as well and then you can get a bit confused about what's real and what's fake and the person operating the hammer and the, uh, the different things can get, forget what, um, which one's real and which one's not. So just be careful. Um, but I wanted to show that and I wanted to do that because it would be fun um, but I think it, would, it will stick in your mind hopefully because this is the main point that I want to make this morning is that what we feel is not always the truth. What we feel is not always the truth. Like the experiment, obviously, the, the feelings of that hand, even though they, they felt real to the person, then is not really what was happening. So while feelings feel real, I'm not diminishing how feelings feel, they feel real, they're not always truth. They're not always truth. This psalm, this is a prophetic psalm. It's pointing forward. I don't know if you sort of picked that up as we read through it. It's pointing forward to the cross. And I think a week out from Easter, it's good for us to, to look forward to the cross as well and to remember what, what some of the components and some of the aspects of the cross are. And so I'm going to look through a lot of this scripture this morning and there's going to be a lot of scripture for us to, to look at and to, um, to mull over. And so in the, at the start of Psalm 22, the very first verse is probably the verse that you heard. If you know the crucifixion story, you would have heard that and gone, oh, Jesus said that on the cross, and he did. So Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance, from my words of groaning? When Jesus was on the cross, in Matthew 27, verses 45 to 46, 
It says this, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So Jesus, when he's on the cross, and I want you to remember this as we go through this, Jesus quotes the first verse of Psalm 22. He knows it. He didn't just um, coincidentally say the same words as the first verse in Psalm 22. He was referencing Psalm 22. And as he's referencing Psalm 22, in his mind, he knows the whole psalm. He doesn't just know the first verse and go, and then say that and go, oh, how's the rest of it going? No, that's all right, I'll just leave it there. He knows the whole thing. He knows what's in Psalm 22. He knows how it ends. Um, And so I want us to remember that in that moment of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that real sense, that real feeling that Jesus felt on the cross, why have you abandoned me? He knows the rest of Psalm 22. In verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 22, it says, Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. We see this in Matthew 27 as well. That the people around him are mocking him in verse 42 and 43. And then they call out to him. He saved others. Why can't he save himself? He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross. In verse 12 and 13 of Psalm 22, it says this, Many bulls surround me, the strong ones. They open their mouths against me. They throw their insults. And that's exactly what happened Um, When he was on the cross, the Pharisees, the scribes, hurled every insult and accusation they could. They wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him crucified. They wanted him on that cross. In verses 15 to 18 of Psalm 22, it says, sorry, 15 or 16, we'll, we'll read first. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And again, this is a a picture of what's happening at the crucifixion. This is thousands of years before the crucifixion. David writes this in a prophetic sense of looking forward to what he can only sort of see from what the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write, of the hands and the feet being pierced of Jesus being crucified on a cross, nails driven into his hands and his feet, hanging on that cross, dehydrated, the, roof, the, the tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth, exhausted in that moment. In verse 17 and 18 of Psalm 22, it goes on and says, I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments amongst themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. In Matthew 27, verse 35, it says, After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. And this psalm and the the, the crucifixion shows us, gives us a picture of what God abandoning Jesus looks like. And so as we, I want to just to hone in on this idea of, of what it means to be abandoned, what it means to be forsaken, some translations say. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think there's three main things that we can see through Scripture, three clues of what God abandoning someone looks like, what God forsaking someone looks like. 
And the first one is this, that God hides his face or God turns away from those he abandons. And we see that um, in Psalm 27, we get this idea. uh, So do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. So hiding his face is synonymous with um, being abandoned by God. Or in Deuteronomy 31, where God's talking about the Israelites serving other gods, uh, he says, my anger, um, this is verse 17 and 18 of Deuteronomy 31, my anger will burn against them on that day. I will abandon them and hide my face from them so that they will become easy prey. Many troubles and afflictions will come to them. On that day, they will say, haven't these troubles come to us because our God is no longer with us? I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all the evil they have done by turning to the other gods. So this idea of being abandoned or forsaken by God is firstly this idea that God hides his face. He turns away. He doesn't look. The second thing that happens when God abandons someone is that he turns them over to their enemy. We see this in Jeremiah 12. Verse 7, it says, I have abandoned my house, I have deserted my inheritance, I have handed the love of my life over to her enemies. Or in 2 Kings 21 verse 14, uh, God says, I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and hand them over to their enemies. They will become plunder and spoil to all their enemies. So God not only turns away, not only is sort of just ignoring, but he's also handing them over, letting the, the enemy have their way with whoever he abandons. He does this, and you see that time and time again, especially through the Old Testament, when God abandons the Israelites or when God abandons his people, he's also handing them over for the enemy to, to do whatever they like. The third thing we see when God abandons someone is that we see the anger of God on display or the wrath of God on display. Lamentations 5, verse 20 to 22 Um, it it says, why do you continually forget us, abandon us for our entire lives? Lord, bring us back to yourself so that we may return, renew our days as in former times, unless you you have completely rejected us and are intensely angry with us. And so we see this idea of God's wrath being put on those he abandons. So then when we read Psalm 22, we see this idea of abandonment, we see the, the picture of the cross and then we think of Jesus on that cross and he says these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are those words of feeling and truth or are those words of just feeling? I think that's the question we have to ask because it has big implications for us. Are they, feeling, are they words of feeling and truth or are they just feelings that Jesus is feeling on the cross? And then they're not true. God hasn't abandoned him. I would say that they are feelings, uh, they are words of feeling and of truth when Jesus is on that cross. That God hides his face from Jesus in that moment. Jesus knew that God wasn't there. The, Father, the Father's face wasn't shining down on him, the light of his face. You know, it talks about in the Old Testament when um, people would go into the holies of holies or when, when people would meet with God, that they would be shining bright. 
there was this intense light in the face of God. And we see this sort of um, in, in the crucifixion, this idea that darkness is happening in the middle of the day, that the face of God has been turned away, that the light has been turned off. In Matthew 27, verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. Jesus was also handed over to his enemy. In Acts 2, when um, they're looking back at the crucifixion and what had happened, they write this. It says, For in fact, uh, in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. So catch that, they, um, God had handed Jesus over to Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel so that they could do whatever they wanted, whatever their hand, whatever God's hand and will had predestined to happen. He was handed over to the enemies. And the third thing that, God, that Jesus faced when he was on that cross is he faced the anger of God. He faced the wrath of God. Jesus took on the wrath. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus, on the, in that moment on the cross, he certainly felt forsaken, but he really was forsaken. He had our sin, he had the sin of the world put on him. And this matters for us because if, if Jesus wasn't forsaken, if it was just a feeling that he felt on that cross, then the truth is that we can be forsaken by God because Jesus didn't take that for us. But because Jesus was forsaken, because Jesus had God hide his face, because Jesus was handed over to the enemy and because Jesus had our sin and the wrath of God put onto him, we uh, can be certain in, our, uh, in the truth that God doesn't abandon us, even when we feel it. Even when we feel like there is God's presence is absent. Even when we feel if God's face is turned away, we can sing this psalm, we can sing this, this God song and remind our heart of the truth. We can remind ourselves that that hand's not real. That hand's not real. I might be feeling it, but that's, that's not real. God, Jesus has taken that. And I think the beauty of the Psalms is that, um, and beauty of, of singing in corporate worship, and, the, and, and one of the reasons why we sing every Sunday is because we need to remind our hearts of what's truth. Because our feelings lie. They tell us untruths. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else, and incurable. Who can understand it? Our heart is incredibly deceitful. It lies. It doesn't hold truth. God's word holds truth. Your heart doesn't hold truth. Your feelings are real, not diminishing that your feelings aren't real, and you feel them, but they are not truth. And so when we feel something that is against the truth of God's word, one of our values at SBC is that we are truth seekers. And so we need to train our heart to seek the truth to come under the, 
under the authority of God's word and in line with the truth of God's word, pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. We don't look to ourselves for truth, but we look to Jesus and his word for truth. What we feel is not always the truth. You might feel forsaken, you might feel abandoned, but the truth is that God will never. He hasn't and he never will because he's already done that on Jesus. And so in Psalm 22, David continues to write, and there's praise in the midst of this abandonment. There's praise in the midst of the pain. In Psalm 22, verse 26, it says, The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. You know, Psalm 22 is a song of promise. It's a, a, a song that reminds us that it's not over. It's a song that Jesus reminded himself of, that this is not it. God, I'm abandoned in this moment, but that's not the end. He knew what was to come. You know, in Hebrews 12, it talks about the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew that the cross was not the end, but there was uh, life and peace, triumph to come. And we can be sure of that as well. And so I want to encourage you that Sundays, Mondays, whenever you are feeling abandoned or whenever you aren't feeling abandoned, just sing your song, remind your heart of what is true. Do what David did. Sing your song, praise your God. Psalm 22 verse 31, it says, They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. I don't know if that reminds you of something to do with the crucifixion, but that reminds me of John 19, verse 30. When Jesus received the sour wine, he says, it is finished. Or some translations say, it is done. Remind you, remind yourselves of what he has done. Jesus declared, it is done. It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And so this morning, we're going to sing that song one more time, Never Walk Alone, that we just sang. And I want to ask you um, this question. What lie is your heart believing is truth this morning? What do you need to remind yourself of or have the Holy Spirit remind you of, of God's truth? God doesn't abandon the ones he loves. He doesn't forsake us because we are in Christ and Jesus has taken that for us. What truth do you need to sing and preach to your heart this morning? God doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us, no matter what our feelings. He's done that to Jesus on our behalf already. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Stretch your legs. I'm going to pray. And as we sing this last song, I'm going to stand down the front, and I'd love to pray with you, especially if you feel like you need, um, if you've got a lie that you're believing, something that's um, overtaking your heart, and you need to be reminded of God's truth. I'd love to stand with you and proclaim the truth of God's word over your life this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. God, we thank you that on the cross you took our sin 
you took everything on our behalf so that we would never be forsaken. We'd never be abandoned. God, you are faithful to us. And God, I pray this morning that we might know the truth of your word, even when our heart doesn't feel it. God, that you would help us to be like David and sing our praise, sing our song in the midst of the pain. To train our heart to believe in your truth and in your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that you're doing in this place this morning. And God, for anyone that feels abandoned or left alone, God, I pray that you would remind them that you are with them. Every step. You've never left them there and you never, you never will. God, we honour you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.